Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good Tournament Tuesday, everyone. March 10th, 2020. This is Locked on ACC. For that aforementioned Tournament Tuesday, I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. I am from College Hoops Digest and FB Schedules. Glad to share this day with you. You can share your thoughts with the show. You can tweet us at LockedOnACC. You can email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter if you'd like. I'm at Sports Matters, where you'll see a bunch of ACC stuff and non-ACC stuff. Love to have you along. Let's go ahead and get right into it, because it is Tournament Tuesday. The ACC getting ready to tip in Greensboro. We've seen at this point pretty much every storyline we could imagine regarding this tournament. We've seen... Georgia Tech forfeit its ability to participate in this shindig. We've seen teams advance because of that. We've seen all the different players, all the different coaches, everything. It's all taken place. It's all been done. So now, let's break down these two games ahead of us in a little more of an unusual fashion. Let's go numbers-wise, because... Occasionally, I do like to get into numbers, even though I'm not all that mathematically adept. I'm willing to chance it, though. The games today, both on ACC Network, as you know, starting at 4.30, the 13th-seeded Pittsburgh Panthers, the 12th-seeded Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Pitt minus two in this game, officially. We'll get into a lot more of the predictions as we go along. First, you have to look at a Pittsburgh team that has lost seven in a row. The last time Pitt won a game was its... 73-64 victory over the aforementioned Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in Pittsburgh, February 8th. It's now past March 8th, so it's been a month and two days since Pitt last walked off the floor victorious. The Panthers right now 15-16, and trying to hold on for dear life to somehow get a spot in the NIT. Of course, it would take quite a bit to get them to the NIT at this point. They would need to win today then beat NC State tomorrow, then play well against Duke. If the Panthers win today, then win tomorrow, that would put them at 17-16. and 16. Then even if they lose, they would get to 17-17. and 17. Not ideal for an NIT resume, but it is at least arguable at that point. Pittsburgh right now, if you look at the way the standings rank net-wise, Etc. Etc. Pittsburgh number one eleven in the net. The Panthers are one and nine in quadrant one games. Now, granted, we're not making an argument for the NCAA's here, but we are at least trying to break down somewhat of an NIT case. There is still the possibility, if offered, that Pitt could play in the CIT or the CBI. I wouldn't anticipate that as a likelihood, but it is conceivable. So now that we've broken all that down, I wanted to bring up one other thing here that's kind of amusing. For those of you who don't know, Steve Kirkland, the SID at Wake Forest, is one of the better dudes out there. Just a a great guy, incredibly kind, and loves his Demon Deacons. I really have to give credit to Steve, though. If you look at Wake's schedule, and by the way, they are three and four in their last seven, Steve has the... Schedule already mapped out for the ACC tournament. He has today's game with Pitt. He has tomorrow's game with NC State already on the schedule. And Thursday's game with Duke. Then games Friday and Saturday. 
already listed. Steve, I see you working. I do. I'm a big fan of yours, as I've already laid out. And I could be wrong. I've been wrong in prognostication so many times. In fact, that's why I don't pick a whole lot of stuff on this show or really anywhere else. I am almost willing to say that the entire show on Monday will be beat up on Brian Day, where I will solicit hateful tweets and everything else. Please bring it at me if Wake Forest somehow makes it to Saturday. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Now, the whole beat up on Brian Day, that is pretty much every day. But I'm willing to wear that on Monday if Wake somehow makes the championship. They don't have to win it, just make it there. Again, Wake 3-4 and four over its last seven games, including wins over Carolina, Duke, and Notre Dame in that lot. That game against Duke we talked about quite a bit on this program. One thing I will say, though, since we started the show, the show officially kicked off on February 3rd, but we started the entire process of it on February 1st, Wake has four wins in that time period. Not that that matters for anything, but just note it. So let's break down this game by predictions. If you look at all these different predictors we have, I've gone through a lot of these predictors with you in the past. Nolan Analytics is very much in line with that two-point breakdown. The... No one analytics look at it. There are two different predictions. One has 70 to 69 pit. The other, 70 to 68 wake. So the actual numbers behind this, as far as how many total points people expect, are right in line with each other. They expect, in both cases, right around 70, 68, 70, 69, something like that. Then you think about Haslametrics. We've talked about Haslametrics on the program before. And one thing that I love that Eric does is there's a game preview for each game. And it's analytically focused. I won't bore you too much with a lot of the numbers, but just a couple of things. He mentions that Pittsburgh hasn't been one of the better shooting teams in Division One this year. They're shooting just 41.73%. 41.8. Let's go ahead and round it up. That's 243rd in the nation. Wake Forest, defensively, 42.39% opponents shoot against them. That's 125th best in the nation. Pittsburgh, not great from three-point land either. 263rd in the nation. They shoot just over 31.5% from distance. Wake Forest allows opponents to shoot 34.2% from three. Wake, meanwhile, if you look at their numbers... They shoot 36% from three. That's 57th best in the nation. They shoot 44.8% from the deck. That is 99th. So just those numbers alone give Wake the edge. If you look at how things break down the schedule strength, Pittsburgh 59th, Wake 47th. Record quality, Pittsburgh with a slight advantage there, 116th to 142nd. Wake Forest has a significant momentum average, as you might imagine. Pittsburgh, an interesting away-from-home advantage if you consider that (laughs) Wake Forest, playing just 30 miles away, roughly, from their campus in Greensboro. We mentioned the away-from-home 
It's not really all that far away from home. Pittsburgh, obviously, a significant distance from its home. He also mentions this interesting number. He mentions that Pittsburgh gets to the free throw line a lot. They are 25th in the country in free throw attempt rate. However, they shoot 71.5%, which is 165th in the nation. Also, Wake tends to foul quite a bit. They send opposing teams to the free throw line more often than one would expect, as Eric notes. They are 256th nationally in free throw attempt rate. Wake Forest 99th, as we mentioned, in overall field goal percentage. As far as the momentum piece, he mentions that Wake appears to have, again quoting him, a noteworthy momentum average. They come into this game playing above their norm. They are 110th in the country in positive momentum. Pittsburgh is 339th in positive momentum. The simulation, prognostication, however you want to label it here, Pittsburgh 68.44, Wake 68.15. So again, we're right in that 68 to 70 range. You obviously can't have a 68.44 to 68.15 game. That would be incredible if you could pull that off, but no can do. So we're expecting a nail-biter in game one, as you might imagine, two teams that are pretty evenly matched. Pitt looking to right the ship and trying to do it in Greensboro, having lost seven in a row, as we mentioned. Should be a fun game. A couple of other things to bring up to uh, our buddy Connor O'Neill at the Winston-Salem Journal. Had a couple of fun notes before we get into this one. He mentioned one of the cool things about this is the fact that the Demon Deacons got to practice at Page High School, which is where Danny Manning played for at least part of his high school career. Manning was a state champion at Page in 1983. He said to... Connor, I walked in there and it smells the same. I remember the spots where I threw up from Coach Mac Morris running us up and down the court. It was nice to be back and we reminisced for a quick second before we practiced. Close quote. It's always cool when you get to see coaches and players and the like take these trips back in time and get to do these things. So a cool moment for Danny Manning and for his team. So Pittsburgh and Wake, the first game today. That at 4.30. We have one more involving... North Carolina, Virginia Tech, that tips at 7 o'clock. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Come right back. Get into the Tar Heels and Hokies. You're listening to Locked On ACC, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Come on back. Welcome back to Locked On ACC, March 10th, 2020. Segment two of the program, we break down the nightcap of the ACC tournament on Tuesday, that being North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Carolina, the 14 seed. Tech, the 11 seed. A couple of things here that may make a little bit of difference or may make no difference at all. And once you start getting into this time of the year, you can break down all these different extrapolations of things, and some of them have meaning, some of them don't. Just something to throw out there. Carolina, 3-1 and one on neutral courts this year. Of course, a lot of that much earlier in the season, back before Cole Anthony got hurt, back before they took the slide they took. Just an observation. Tech 1-2 and two on neutral courts this year. Carolina comes into the game having won three of its last four. Tech comes in having lost 
three of its last four. You'll also recall these teams played each other January 22nd up in the castle. This a 79-77 two-overtime game. One of the more intriguing games of the year, one of the more wacky games of the year. That didn't just happen yesterday, but still something to inform us a bit. No Cole Anthony in that game, as you'll recall. Carolina with four guys that played 45 minutes or greater. Among that group, Garrison Brooks, 28 points, 13 boards in that game. He played 48 minutes. Justin Pierce had 15 points against the Hokies. He played 45 minutes. Leaky Black played 47, scored 12. The other one being Andrew Playtech. He played 49. Carolina had a seven-man rotation that day. The Heels shot just over 51.6% on that day in the first half, then significantly cooled off from there. 33.3 in the second half, 20 in overtime number one, just over 57 in overtime number two. They shot 43.8% for the game, 31.8 from three, seven of 22, and 14 of 20 from the line. Again, a little bit better performance than we're accustomed to seeing from Carolina, but still six missed free throws in a two-point game. Kind of tough. Virginia Tech, meanwhile, had one person play 45 minutes or greater. They had two double-digit scorers in that game. Landers Nolly had 22, Jalen Cohn 18. Tech won that game despite shooting just 36.9% from the field, 37.8 from three. They were 81%, 17 of 21 from the line in that game. Something that's somewhat notable, 23 to 6 bench points advantage for Tech in that game. Also notable in that, as we mentioned, Carolina didn't play a very deep rotation in that game, and there was no Cole Anthony in that game. Tech didn't go tremendously deep itself. It played 10 players, and two of those players played fewer than 10 minutes. But again, just more stuff to kind of throw into this consideration of who might have the advantage in this game. The Nolan Analytics Breakdown... Very close. Now, the official line on this game, Carolina minus four. The Nolan Analytics breakdown, one predictor has a 71-69 tech, the other has a 72-68 Carolina. So again, the prediction models, at least among Nolan Analytics, in disagreement. We've already seen that once today. Carolina with a significant momentum advantage, according to Haslametrics, as you might imagine. Carolina, as I talked about, having won three of its last four. The only setback lost to Duke. Also away from home, Carolina with a considerable advantage. We talked about that 3-1 and one on neutral courts. Carolina a significant advantage in opponent efficiency on defense. Opponents are 104th in the nation against them in terms of efficiency. Three-point shooting, Tech with an advantage there. Tech 83rd in the nation, 35.28%. from three. Carolina, just over 33% from three. 
Carolina shoots 45.2% from the deck. Tech, 43.4. The Haslametrics prediction on this one, also right in that same line. It's funny how you look at these different analytic predictors and all these different numbers that it puts together. Carolina 69.94, Tech 66.3, says Haslametrics. So two really close games that it predicts out of this bunch. Tuesdays in Greensboro usually produce wacky results. Looking at these two these two games, all the teams are fairly evenly matched. Everybody's kind of right there amongst each other. But I just can't shake the feeling that we're going to have something wild unfold in one or both of these games. Seems to be the way with the ACC tournament, particularly of late. A lot's going to depend on how well Cole Anthony plays in the Carolina Tech game. If Anthony comes out and is his efficient self as he was in those three Carolina victories, you could see Carolina run away with it. If he comes out and throws another 4 for 14 out there, as he did the other day, could be that close game that we're predicting. We realize it's fairly obvious to look at Cole Anthony as kind of the X factor here because he is one of the better players, if not the best player on the floor. But as he goes, Carolina goes of late. The winner of this one advances on to 9 o'clock tomorrow night where they will take on number 6 Syracuse. Not really an optimal matchup for either. One would tend to think Carolina has the slightly better look at it going against that zone. But again, not really a favorable matchup for either. We'll talk more about whomever faces the Orange on tomorrow's program. Let's go ahead and take the final break of this program. We'll come back, talk about March Madness a bit, and give you an update on golf. Yes, golf. This is Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC. March 10th, 2020, the third segment of today's program. We've gone through today's first two games, given you the predictions for both, according to the analytical breakdown anyway. Now let's tell you about March Madness, because it is right around the corner. Assuming, of course, we don't all contract the coronavirus before then. It was announced earlier today, the teams that will be calling these games... A few additions that were pointed out before we get into this. Dwayne Wade will be in the studio for the Final Four and National Championship. This is a really polarizing topic, and I'll spend a second on this, because everybody has really kind of one opinion or the other. Either they love the NBA guys breaking down the college game, or they can't stand it. Because a lot of the thought is, well, these guys are NBA guys. They don't watch a lot of college basketball. They can't really break these things down in a lot of detail. Some people love them because of the personality. It all depends on whether you want personality or information. There's a way to combine the two, but it seems as though we've decided to go one or the other. Wally Zerbiak also will become a game analyst for part of this. Adam Zucker will host the studio show in Atlanta. 
Lauren Shahadi will be a game reporter throughout the first two rounds. I love Lauren Shahadi. One of the better reporters out there. If you've seen her work on MLB Network and in other places, she's incredibly talented, funny, engaging. Adam Lefko will also join televised coverage for the first time. He will be the game update person from New York. The New York studio coverage will again be hosted by Ernie Johnson and Greg Gumbel. Charles Barkley, Clark Kellogg, Kenny Smith on the dais with those two. Johnson will then move to the Atlanta coverage during the rounds of 16 and 8. Gumble will stay in New York. The Atlanta crew, Brendan Haywood, Seth Davis, Candace Parker, and college coaches to be announced. Curious to see who those college coaches are. There are some names out there. There are some guys that could be really entertaining. One thing I will say, though, I saw somebody earlier today on Twitter, and I can't get past this. Somebody complaining about Dan Dockich not being allowed into this group or not being part of this group. They, they seem to think allowed for some reason. They also said that Dan Dockich was the number one game analyst out there. Unless you were in Dan Dockich's family, chances are pretty good you don't think that way. But again, one thing that Twitter does is it allows all of us to see everybody's views. Some of them are great. Some of them are not. This one, definitely not. The announced teams, Jim Nance back with Bill Raftery and Grant Hill, Tracy Wolfson, the sideline reporter on that one. Chances are Nance is going to end up in Greensboro again because that's where Duke will be, and Nance always seems to be covering every Duke tournament appearance ever. So go ahead and count on Nance being in Greensboro along with the Blue Devils. Brian Anderson, TV voice of the Milwaukee Brewers and Major League Baseball, as you've come to know. He'll be paired with Chris Weber, Ali LaForce on the sidelines there. Ian Eagle and Jim Spinarkle, my favorite team, along with Jamie Erdahl. Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, Dan Bonner. Together again, Dana Jacobson will provide the updates for them. Brad Nessler, Jim Jackson. Evan Washburn, the reporter there. Spiro Ditas, Steve Smith and Wally Zerbiak. Lisa Byington, the reporter there. I know this isn't locked on Big Ten, but I'm a big Lisa Byington person. If you follow Big Ten sports at all, you've heard Lisa Byington's voice quite a bit. Shahadi, that we mentioned a bit ago, pairing up with Andrew Catalan and Steve Lapis. And Carter Blackburn and Debbie Antonelli make up the final team. John Schriffen, the sideline reporter there. So for those of you getting ready to watch March Madness, wanting to see who will be calling what games, we'll have those breakdowns for you once the brackets are announced. Also, our good friends over at 506 Sports. We'll have information on that. If you don't follow them on Twitter, you should. They're at 506 Sports. Easy enough. But those are your announced teams for the NCAA tournament. Just one more week, everybody. And we'll be playing first four games. Where we'll play them and in front of whom we'll play them is another question. If you've seen Twitter this afternoon, you've seen Mike DeWine of Ohio recommending that people not attend indoor events. Not making a demand, but recommending that they not attend indoor events. And as we wind down here on the show, wanted to give a quick shout out to Clemson Golf. Our good friend Tim Beret points out that the Clemson men's golf team won the Palmetto Intercollegiate with an 813 score. That is the second lowest in school history 
Jacob Bridgman, Turk Pettit, and William Nottingham finished one, two, and three. That's the first time three Clemson golfers have swept the first three places in the same tournament since March of 1987. That's a while, everybody. Just thinking about that being 33 years ago, I already felt old enough. Thanks a lot, Tim. I love you, but you could have saved that. That'll bring to a close the March 10th episode of Locked on ACC. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, tell your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. See you back here tomorrow, everyone. Grab your snacks, grab your drinks, head for the couch. Until tomorrow, this has been Locked On ACC. Love you. Mean it. (laughs)